0: Bad Philosophy, Episode 1, for August 29th, 2008. Hello, every welcome. The following episode was recorded in the Student Union Building at Texas Tech University. That episode last week, well, we'll just pretend that doesn't exist. This is the real first episode, and it is the real Bad Philosophy. So, yeah, we're the Bad Philosophers, and we have reconvened for the first official episode of this burgeoning little podcast, the little podcast that could or could not, depending on your epistemological position. I am Stephen Torrance. Some of you may know me as Captain Valor by my uh, Twitter handle. Follow me. I I want more followers than Kevin Rose. Good luck! And uh, that man wishing me luck right here is Matt Legler. How's it going? He is a uh, a fish, a freshman here at Texas Tech. Just majoring true. in computer science, which is much closer to the medium of our discussion than my physics and philosophy degree, but he does sure. know a ton about everything. Um, also joining us today is David Ronderos.
1: Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so if we've got the physics philosophy guy. And the fish who's computer science, I'm just bonus? Yeah, yeah,
0: David is our is our bonus panel member. Um, we just kind of have him here because he has a really good voice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> I really, I thought it was his face. His face? Yeah, for the podcast.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Oof. I don't know, does anyone care to make a, uh, a sonar image of David's face and transmit it on the podcast? But if any of y'all listening want to do that, that would be really freaking cool. It would. Today, I was hoping we could start out with a uh, pretty close-to-home topic, I guess. Here on uh, Texas Tech, I have uh, become a columnist for the Daily Toreador, which is our campus newspaper. Uh, They apparently had everybody on their opinion staff quit and then put out a frantic email before the school year started asking for opinions columnists, and I was one of several to answer the call. I, Um, I have to
2: ask, is there a reason everyone quit? They weren't getting paid enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they weren't getting paid, period. And I'm still not getting paid to do this. I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart and the um, overflowing of the thoughts within my own head. So one of the uh, spillages, if uh, I may use the term, that came out of my mind recently for the first column for the DT was an article on artificial intelligence. Uh, I basically asked... Well, the editor had me ask, is artificial intelligence possible today? And I contend, no. Uh, we have a couple of gentlemen here who have read the article, and uh, hopefully we're going to go through it and summarize briefly my my point. Um, to Just to kind of lead into it, and I, I do this in the article, artificial intelligence, it, it seems like, I mean, wouldn't you all agree that we all kind of have the expectation that someday there are going to be robots?
2: Totally. I yeah. Mean, from, you know my earliest childhood memories watching Star Wars. That's what, I, what I've heard.
1: They may not necessarily be the current ideas that we have for those said robots. I mean, the original robots that people thought about were the size of refrigerators, walking around on different you know space shows and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, we're looking at nano robots, smaller than the eye can see. So. What form these robots take might be different, but yes, robots probably will become something.
2: But are we different. talking robots or artificial intelligence? Because there's well, a it, there before. is yes, actually robots. That's, that's a really yes, good robots.
0: point. Um, I did say robots, but I sort of mean you know artificial sentient beings. You know, something you could like the computer on Star Trek that you can um, mm-hmm. talk to. Actually, that's a bad example because that's like semi-sentient, um, but the, say, like the data. stealth. The
2: movie Stealth, right?
0: Or yeah, the movie Stealth. Some kind of you know computer maybe that can uh, that can think that is self aware mm-hmm. that can talk uh, perhaps um, and in the evolution of that idea a robot that you can see and touch and interact with a la data Star Trek Next Generation C three PO made of metal clunky speaks over six million forms of communication
2: <laughs> which that was in the article
0: that was in the article. Um, but yeah, so we, we kind of have this idea sitting around in society
1: that someday somebody is just going to come up with this. You know, there's going to be some worldwide. There's going to be some breakthrough in some somebody's lab somewhere, and voila, we're going to have artificial intelligence, and it'll be spread all over the place, and everybody's going to have their own robot walking around with artificial intelligence that does and takes care of everything they need. <laughs> and there there
0: are some pretty scary consequences of that. A lot of uh, science fiction writers have written about how. In, even though we could Isaac get Asimov. along Isaac Asimov for one, even though we could get along well with these robots, they also have the potential to be very dangerous beings mm-hmm. because unlike humans, uh, robots or artificial intelligence um, mechanisms would not seem to have any limits on their intellectual capacity.
1: and we would prob- most likely build them to exceed our physical abilities. So if they were to turn against us, we built them to exceed our physical abilities, so thus we wouldn't be able to stop them.
0: Right. Some uh, examples of this, The Matrix. Um, iRobot. iRobot. Mm. Stealth. Stealth. <laughs> <laughs> Although I but, haven't seen the movie. Do they beat it somehow? They, they end
1: up befriending it.
0: Interesting. Well, it, okay.
1: Yeah. Although it ends up committing suicide
0: for them.
2: It does. You see, it learns to feel emotions and then eventually lays down his life for his friend.
0: All right, David is having to step out for a second to answer. No, phone, you don't say it. that
2: until he's coming back and he's yelling when we answer when you need him to answer a question. <laughs> the
0: room. That's right. Do, do the <laughs> whole John C. Boy think, I went to go get a sandwich. Ah.
2: Except it would uh, be a lot farther away in distant background. <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead with what you're saying.
0: Well, I I was just basically going to continue with. So so it's out there. It's out there in popular culture. Like we we. Grow up watching these movies and these TV shows and it's it 's kind of like yeah that 'll just happen someday um, The reality is we, we never really think about hey is artificial intelligence actually something that could come about is it is it possible and, and by possible i 'm sorry I have to I have to drop into some <laughs> philosophy here uh-huh. I mean uh, Epistemologically possible that that Please is, for ep- that, I I epistemically that epistemically possible, meaning for for all we know, is it something that could come about? And at this point, I, I don't know. I I argue that. Well, there, there's another kind of possibility though that comes into play, which is metaphysical possibility, which is possible, basically in any circumstance. Yeah, like it's just if you can imagine it, it can happen. Um, there's one more kind, but I forget it off the top of my head. I'm so bad at those things. Yeah, but just just using it kind of in the in the conventional sense of the word, theoretically, like mm-hmm. we can come up with it. We can think, you know, hey, that's something that theoretically the human beings could do. You know, we there's not some fundamental problem with it, um, and it, it comes actually from. And I, I talked about this in the article a little bit from Philosophy of Mind, which is uh, a very hotly debated uh, subject in, in recent times. Uh, brief history of Philosophy of Mind started out with a little guy named Rene Descartes, which is actually one of the images on our, <laughs> on our website, one of the uh, bug-eyed pictures. Uh, Descartes basically came along and said, hey, so what, what the hell is the mind anyway? And his conclusion was that the mind was something of a completely different substance. Substance meaning stuff, um, completely different substance from the brain, which is physical. So you have this this non-physical, uh, non-corporeal mind
1: thing, and this physical, corporeal brain. So you could equate it to processors and computers today. The processor itself has nothing really to do with the actual program running on it. Well... That kind of except for
0: the program has a physical uh essence to itself well, as well but that that can they are electrons moving around yeah but well, the electrons let, are the brains let's just parts. think yeah. of it let's just think of it in in a very simple sense which is what Descartes was thinking of there were okay. no computers in Descartes' day that we know of oh, um
2: <laughs> i think the egyptians uh, were hiding something still back
0: there. well there's there are mechanisms but nothing on the orders. aliens landed there were
1: computers <laughs> i don't know uh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll not get into that though. We'll, that's we'll too not off get topic. into that.
0: That's a little bit. Well, we do like rabbit trails. I don't know. Were there... Do you think there were aliens
1: back in the, whenever Daycar was around? So I, I like the 1600s. I like I think. To quote 1600s. a movie <laughs> that says, if there's nobody else out there, that's a lot of wasted space. Yeah. And then there's always. It's is
2: pretty wasted space. And it is, though,
1: yeah. And then there's always, I forgot who it was, some philosopher, theorist, physiologist, I don't Physiologist. Somewhere calculated, you know, how it took so many million years of, you know, single-cell life, so many million years to develop that single-cell life, so many million years to develop multi-cell life. And he brought it down to the probability and possibility of that happening and calculated it down to this massively infinitesimal tiny percentage of planets that that could happen to. I think Carl Sagan showed this in Cosmos, didn't he? I don't remember. He, he I showed honestly this. have it's, no idea where he I heard didn't I come this up from. with it, but yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about. And they calculated out that this, you know, in this really extremely tiny percentage of planets that could develop intelligent life and then applied it to, okay, how many planets do we know exist and how many planets do we theorize could could still exist beyond our knowledge? And he came out to something like, there's probably thousands of civilizations out there that that, have exi- are, that exist right now that or that right now. have ever existed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was right now or have ever existed, yeah. because we are looking at a time span of trillions, gazillions of years. Yeah. So, most likely, I would guess it would be right now, because I don't remember what, I've never read the article. Well, that'd a be about was, a relevant conclusion. <laughs> point being that there are possibly... Thousands, tens of thousands of intelligent civilizations, life forms out there. It's Whether or not they can get here is a different <laughs> question. We always seem to assume that aliens have higher technology than us, that they can traverse vast expanses of space in a single bound. War you the know, yeah. exactly War of the Worlds. You know, all these other movies. Have we ever thought that maybe they're just like us, sitting on some planet somewhere, without able to get? Like <laughs> we just now got out of our solar system. Yeah. As George Lucas put it in a a great interview one time, and this
0: is one of the few good things George Lucas has said in the past 10 years, um, (laughs) we are just opening our eyes, kind of coming out of our caves, looking up at the sky um, relatively. We're at the very beginning of our existence as a race. Um, We have just scratched the surface of what is possible technologically and scientifically, I think. Uh, That's another kind of hidden expectation in our... uh, our psyche that someday we're going to advance to mm-hmm. this ability to traverse the stars. Unless you're, unless think some... that,
2: you know, 512 megabytes of RAM is more than anyone would ever
1: need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? 256 K. Uh, well, yeah. That's whatever. More than, <laughs> oh, I, I love the one where, what was it? the 60s or the 50s? someone someone tried to close the patent office because they didn't think anything else could be invented. Yeah. <laughs> and now we know that that's not the case. Oops. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Whoops. Oh, the computer. Ah. Oh, it's yeah. not It's not patentable. The, the patent office is closed. I'm sorry. But here's... Okay, so
0: this this gets back into an interesting question which we'll, we'll get to later. But anyway, back to Descartes. Um, <laughs> somehow. Descartes. Aliens. I mean,
2: Patents obviously you go from Descartes. computers to Descartes. That just makes sense. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. Um... But anyway, so yeah, Rene Descartes came up with this idea of a separate substance, mind and body. The mind being, you know, non-corporeal, angel realm, ghost realm, whatever you want to call it. Something wholly different Mm -hmm. from ours. Um, The only problem with his theory was, how do two completely different substances interact with each other? And this was a problem that um, that some princess of a different country asked him in a letter. And he basically replied well, you know, there's this, there's this one thing called the pineal gland in our brain that we don't really understand yet. And, uh, yeah, that's how it happens. It's the pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the pancreas. Um, so he basically left it alone. Descartes never solved the interaction problem, and many people have tried to this day to solve the interaction problem, and it's never been solved. So today the competing theories in philosophy of mind are these. Reductive and anti-reductive physicalism. Physicalism is the idea that both uh, mind and brain are physical things, that they are not of wholly different substances, which solves the interaction problem, obviously. Anti-reductive physicalism, though, tries to maintain sort of kind of the dualism idea, which is that even though mind and brain are physical things, mind has properties, and is another philosophical buzzword, Properties that are irreducible to physical explanation. Mental properties versus physical properties. Mental properties that, like thought, memory, things like that, that have no physical explanation or no completely sufficient physical explanation. A um, good example is the experience
1: of riding a bicycle. Can you
0: can, you... you can
1: read all the books you want about how to ride a bicycle, but t- until you can actually get on and try to ride... You don't know how to ride a bicycle. You will not know what it
0: is like to ride a bicycle, exactly. Um, so that's that's anti-reductive physicalism stance. And then reductive physicalism basically says, no, mental properties are reducible to physical properties. And it doesn't make sense to have separate mental and physical properties because you get sort of a, a higher-level interaction problem if in uh, anti-reductive physicalism where the mental properties can 't really well the, the mental properties actually become physical properties, even though they 're said to be separate, so I personally at this point i 'm a lot more convinced by reductive physicalism, which basically states that even though you know mental properties seem to be very different uh, thoughts emotions things like of that nature, they really do have a physical explanation, but a really complicated one, and that 's kind of the problem with AI nowadays is We've got computers, and computers are extremely complicated
1: machines, but they are nowhere as complicated as the human brain. Oh, by far. I mean, uh, you can look at a computer chip nowadays and think, okay, that processor, how how small is, is a single circuit on that chip? Okay, we'll say it's the size of one cell. Now we're looking at a group of cells the size of a postage stamp, because that's how big these processors are nowadays. Now think all these cells, except our brain is the size of what? A softball, bigger, you know. Our brain is the size. Oh, of... Oh,
0: per- personally, mine's the a size small of chicken. About four softballs. Four yeah. softballs. Okay. I
1: you like a small skin. chicken now. <laughs> you get the idea, though.
0: Why am think I sitting about the softball? Think of <laughs>
1: <the massively. laughs> Maybe your brain is the
0: size of a softball. Sorry, I've never actually held a human brain before. <laughs> I think few of us have. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing out on. Okay.
1: Point so being, point being, <laughs> postage yeah. stamp compared to the size of a human brain, which. I don't know what I'm going to say. A one-liter water bottle, two-liter water bottle, something along those lines. A liter, we'll be, we'll be vague, a liter and a half of, <laughs> of raw volume of cells computing power. Postage stamp, liter and a half. Which one's bigger? Which well, one will it's... have more power? And look at how many times, how many postage stamps you can cram in that water bottle before you actually even get close to the amount of power packed in that water bottle, well, here's a good point you can't directly correlate the
2: two because they're different substances, right? Right. They even...
1: and then see, then there's that issue. I'm I'm just looking at the actual physical number of processing things within them. You know, not to mention, as you said, they're made out of different substances. They compute different things with different methods. With Different chemicals. And you know, precisely,
0: to, to kind of elaborate on the different methods, um, the brain is a massively parallel machine, which means, you know... Everything in, is computed at the same time. Everything is computer at the same time. Memories and uh, processing of tasks go hand in hand. Um, neurons have hundreds of connections apiece, so, and each one that they connect to has hundreds of connections, and forming this huge network of connections between cells. What happens in this case is... Processes and ideas happen in a non-linear fashion. It's it, with a computer, you know, you, you have a certain amount of code. You run the code; it all runs in sequence. You know, maybe recursion a few times, or goes off on different branches and stuff. But it runs from
1: beginning to end. It mm-hmm. has a it has a distinct beginning and end. Even with nowadays processors that sort of run, we'll say they run four cores in parallel. Oh, whoop de do! That's four in parallel. Four in parallel compared to the Millions, Millions, billions going on inside the brain?
0: Exactly. So really the brain bears more uh, resemblance to massive clusters, computing clusters. But even in that case, there's a fundamental problem. Those computing clusters are still running linear tasks, each and every one of them. Neurons are not running linear tasks. Um, Just the the structure, and I I really am not a neuroscientist, but I've read a, a good article on this, Um, Oh, you're not a neuroscientist? (laughs) Sorry to disappoint, Matt. uh, I know a neurologist. Yeah, I don't don't think think that's... Well, it's similar, but anyway. Um, So basically our computers nowadays are not the same as a human brain. Now, here's here's something that I didn't actually go into the article, uh, into very much in the article. Maybe it's possible for us to build intelligence that doesn't match the type that we have in the human brain
2: but at the same time, it still can learn from its environment.
0: Well, maybe it, it has emotions. all the same well, It has you're, all the you're, same you're functions. Saying sen- sentient intelligence. Sentient right. intelligence, sure. It well, because we have, we well, have, yeah, quote, artificial
1: intelligence in games and stuff. We mm-hmm. have we we have do. We do. We have, we have programs nowadays that can react to different situations given to them that are not necessarily written in their direct code. But I would argue that those are not sentient. Those yes. are... Yes. Those they're, are they're, not, they're not self-aware, and they can't handle... The vast amount of situations that we go through in everyday life. Right. They basically they
0: are approximations of intelligence. <clears throat> they're they they look like intelligence. They kind of feel like intelligence. You can build them that way, but they're only models of intelligence. They are not actual intelligence. Well, but yeah, that, I, so I put that question to y'all. do you, do you think that? The intelligence could take a different form, sentient intelligence, from what we have in the human mind or or in other so-called sentient beings on Earth here.
2: Well, I was just going to say that computers are so complex these days that even when you have a linear program, it can appear to someone as being a program that's interacting with them specifically. But at the same time, they don't realize what's going on behind it. They don't realize that it's not actually reacting to their emotions or how they're feeling like it could just see, you know, a smile on their face and the webcam could, you know, tell the program to show a smiley face on screen, you know? Yes. But there's, the computers are so complex. I mean, that's just like, that's a program that uh, you could write. And if someone's never seen a computer before, they would think that it was reacting to what they're doing, just like a person would. But at the same time, it's totally not. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's ways that you can imitate it because computers are so complex and, Like you know, David said we've just scratched the surface. There's a lot we can do, but no matter how much it looks like it's real artificial or real artificial intelligence, real artificial intelligence, it's I don't I I think it's impossible to completely recreate the human mind because at least at this point we don't understand.
0: We don't understand. We we don't know what it is. Um,
2: And like you said, there's a difference between the mind and the brain. At least I think there is because whether you believe in you know. Christianity is being the way the world was created, that God created the world, and everyone has, you know, a spiritual part to them, or whether you believe that, you know, through evolution we're here somehow, everyone can agree that there's emotions, that there's a part of you that is separated from physical somehow. Um, because well, that's, what, that's what separates us from the animal kingdom. Now, I, it, otherwise, I why to are say, the animals not exactly like us if evolution is the progression?
0: But there's, there's an important point I have to make here. Not everyone believes that. In Buddhism, actually, the there is this whole doctrine of anatta, or not-self. Mm-hmm. In other words, everything that you can point to in the world, everything physical, everything internal, none of that is yourself. In essence, they would disagree with you entirely. They okay. would say, there are, absolutely everything is physical. Everything in the world is made up of a set of, um, it's called dependent co-arising or interdependent arising. Everything arises in relation to something else. And continue processes arise and start other processes, and those start others. And we are simply a collection of ongoing processes, rather word? than any kind of a coherent self.
2: What's the goal of Buddhism? Is that nirvana or is that Hinduism?
0: Well, you could say you could say nirvana is the goal in Buddhism uh, of escape, basically from this. Well, escape is closer to Hinduism. It's called yeah. moksha or liberation. But in Buddhism, yeah, there's there's this. Um, it's it's not so much a goal because that's another thing Buddhism doesn't <laughs> try to is is this striving or, or clinging to mm-hmm. a certain um, end. It's sort of a, a trying to realize or see the see the world as it is, realize the fundamental truth of dependent co arising, and then once you do realize that, you will be enlightened. But anyway, do you think that? Maybe intelligence could take a different form. Say maybe yes. you know gaseous beings somehow. That that a collection of
1: maybe not neurons, but another micro machines. Maybe and or that's been uh, postulated, or I think it's postulated, postulated. <laughs> postulated. <laughs> If you've ever read <laughs> the, the Michael Crichton book Prey, P R E Y, not P R A Y, mm-hmm. P R E Y. Um, it deals with they make micro micro um, or nano machines that are essentially constructed so that they can essentially fly a little bit. So they cluster together, and through their magnetic properties and whatnot, they can move as a gaseous form, essentially, and they have a hive mind. And one thing that kind of develops out of this is that they give it a very basic program of Mm goal-seeking, that it finds a goal, and it does what's necessary to seek out and complete that goal. And that was mostly to get it to communicate within itself. But then it goes, when it gets in high enough concentrations, when it lear- it starts to learn and use other members of its, you know, in this hive mind, you know, kind of this parallel processing idea. Every single one is its own individual processor. Every little one has a little piece of code.
0: But together they work
1: as kind together of this single they work, agent. Exactly. They work together to be this incredibly intelligent... Problem-solving machine that they end up having to obviously in the book, so they always have to destroy it. But yeah. <laughs> point being, micro machine or micro—I keep saying micro machines machines that in a hive mind situation can have that computational power. And see, that
0: gets a, a kind of an idea within philosophy of mind, which is called emergence. And it's it's this theory that at a certain level of complication. Intelligence emerges. That you start with the, like the building blocks, the small building blocks of intelligence, and that when put in a big enough network, a an agent arises, a consciousness, a self.
2: So that's like rewording of the term evolution. The right the right building blocks in a long enough time period period will eventually lead to something more complex.
0: Yeah, you you put a. You put a million monkeys and a million typewriters into a room and give them an infinite amount of time and they'll eventually produce the works of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> that that kind of a a conglomeration of well, that's that's more chaos theory, but a conglomeration of small agents or small independent
1: when you have things. a large enough conglomerate when, when you have a large, large enough, enough
0: combination becomes an intelligence. Now, I personally, I think that's sort of our, that's sort of an empirical thing, you know, we look at, at simple life forms and we say, well, you know, a, a cockroach doesn't have the capacity for intelligence that a human does, but an ape kind of does. It has a little bit more of a co- capacity for intelligence. Um, now, granted, in the past, or I think even, even currently, there are certain animals that have larger brains than humans. Whales whales and <laughs> i hope I unless whale has unless you believe you. Uh, unless you believe star trek 4 there are not intelligent sentient
1: whales <laughs> kind of <laughs> out there you know doing their own thing without opposable thumbs building spaceships well, it, it is it isn't, it is entirely possible that those whales could be have huge massive thoughts and we just can't talk to them or any kind of thing it's just their m- large massive thoughts are more concerned with the migration of their food and where to get it Maybe they are in and of themselves strategizing with other whales, and that's what their speech is of where the food is going and how to effectively war against it, to collect it, to farm it even. Maybe they're farming kelp, or not kelp, but krill. Maybe they're farming krill, and we just have no idea about it. Maybe they're farming (laughs) krill. They (laughs) all go by the same area, poo in the same area, so that the krill will live in that area, and then. Every, every day or whatever, they systematically go through, eat the certain correct amount, and poo some more well, to keep the crow we, going. We do Maybe we... they are thinking on this higher level, but we just have no idea about
0: it. And I think there are other examples we can draw from in nature. I mean, animals seem to instinctually have certain patterns that they follow, uh, even group mentalities well, even, that they develop. Even we call we see, it. We know, call pack it. animals in the alpha male and, and, and mm-hmm. canines.
1: And that sort, of, that sort of thing, you know, hunting and we, we call it instinctual, but how much of it is instinctual, they don't really have a choice, they have to follow it, and how much of it is active thought that they do well, follow? Well, we, I mean, talk, we talked it, about look this. Look at humans. People could say that it's our instinct to live, uh, to have the order of life that we have. To every day you wake up, you go, you know, especially for college students, you wake up, you get breakfast, you go to class, you get out of class, you do whatever, you know, you you supposedly study, you go to your next class, you get out, you supposedly study, you go to lunch, you go to your next class, you, you know, someone, if uh, another sentient being came and looked at that from, you know, outside of the fishbowl, they would say, oh, that's just instinct. They always go to class, they always go to eat, they always go to, but for us, we don't have to. But we we actively think about these things and choose to do them. I think, though, if they looked close enough, they'd see the one guy
0: that, you know, got up, ate breakfast, went to class, and then on his way to class, stopped, looked up at the sky, and then went back to his room. Well, wolves then, howl randomly. Do well, we question why wolves howl randomly? But then maybe they're looking at they the stars further, and wondering about see, the universe. They'd see that we have uh, thoughts that go beyond ourselves. In other words, that we have the, the capability to well, Do our, for, our thoughts
2: go ourselves, or are our thoughts for others, actually, and for our own selfish motives?
0: Well, it's... I'm not that's going on question. that. I, I'm, I'm saying the capacity for self-reflection,
1: the, or introspection is the, the better term. Mm-hmm. To, kind of look that, at, to look at ourselves, realize what we are, and possibly change it, because yes. we have that choice. Have they seen that animals... I don't think there have been any observations that I know of, uh,
0: of animals doing such a thing, of being introspective. Um, Wolves will fight to be the alpha male. Well, true, but, but is that, that because of instinct. a is that because of instinct? Because they have a
1: goal programmed into them that they but must be the, the alpha then male. Then, what is the definition of instinct? Do we know that it is a program, or do we know that it, or do we, or could it be active thought that they think these things? Well, for instance, nobody teaches them to be that way. Nobody teaches Correct. a bird
0: how to make a nest. They're, well, they're never shown by other birds. They, they just kind of do it. And the homing pigeons are so never it, taught how so to get back the beaver where
1: beaver they it, So all the other animals in the world have developed genetic memory except humans. No, I think we have developed genetic memory. We, we, have, a to we have a
0: tendency to speak. We have a tendency to try to walk on our own two feet. We have a, you know, a tendency
1: to... But nowhere near or, or, making a complexity, or, you know, of, the complexity yeah. of a nest or a dam like beavers
0: and birds. No. And, and see, here's, that's, that's another thing I'm curious about is if everything is physical... I mean, and instinct is some kind of program that's in us. Could it be that a simpler level of intelligence lends itself to instinct, whereas a more complicated, if you want to put that way, level of intelligence does not? That, for some reason, we have to come up
1: with stuff more on our own than simply doing it by instinct. So, both intelligence is yes... <laughs> but one simpler and likes to follow its genetic rules, and one that can choose not to. Hmm. Oh, and there's
0: there's a fundamental thing: the ability to choose agency. Yeah, choose. yeah you know, nobody ever has but, hey, really gone we like, to, like we
1: said, we have programs that can choose nowadays. But is it choice limited, or is, limited is it limited situation? I will say that much. Yeah, is is it kind of a random
0: selection or maybe a, an educated selection between two things? It, well, it really educated selection
1: is still choice because everything we do in life is educated selection. Or uh, yeah, that's right. There's there's an interesting I mean, about um, it. You, the choices that you make. You know, you decide to go up the stairs or go, or go through, up the elevator. Well, well the so elevator, today Stephen elevator. took the elevator. Yeah, today Stephen <laughs> took the elevator. <laughs> but I, I, almost, I almost convinced him to take the stairs because my I'm sorry. I I should, let's just go this. Let's, let's go with this. I chose the stairs because I like the little bit of workout that I get. I can run up them two stairs at a time, and I get there faster than the elevator. Now, here's, okay, so why here's did you see, choose the elevator? Here,
0: but see, it, it's irrelevant, but you had a reason behind it. Now, let me give you a, an example. What if you were blindfolded Yes. and uh, put into a room with, let's say, two piles of food, mm-hmm. all right, completely identical in every physical way. The room is an exact mirror image of itself. You are placed precisely in the middle. The two tables of food are in front of you, a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right. Mm -hmm. Now, your blindfold is taken off and you are looking precisely down the center of the two of them. Yes. You look back and forth. You observe that they are exactly identical in every possible way. Which one do you look at first? Which one do you look at first? But also, here's the more important thing. If they're completely identical in every single way and you have no prior knowledge... Related to anything, you have, you have total amnesia, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're really hungry. They've been, like, starving you for a few days well, or something Well, if you have like total that.
1: amnesia, then you don't. Are we saying that I know basic motor functions? You know basic motor. So, so need be still have you Do I know to... enough to recognize, is that actually food or is it rat poison they put on the table? Yes. You you have enough
0: knowledge of, of food and such things, but you don't know where it came from. You don't know, have any knowledge of that particular food right there. Which one do you choose?
1: Uh, then I would probably go with my tendency of i am right handed I would probably go to the right mm. Although, say you're, I, would, say you're probably, extra, I so. would probably try one and then try the other but which one because i 'm a boy scout, I would rub it on my skin first to see if it reacts with me and it's <laughs> going to kill me or something. I to <laughs> well, go your lip for a few
2: seconds there so you, you go exactly it.
1: exactly <laughs> well uh, matt like which which one would you choose
0: first? Would you have any reason to choose one over the other?
2: Not from the room itself. The only reason you would choose one or the other is if, like David said, you're right-handed, or if,
0: um, or if you for choose. some reason. So that would be instinct. It would that's be something well built into you have that you're indecisiveness,
1: indecisiveness, or we have the instinct of randomization well, that we say, decide. You know what? Who cares? I'm going to choose the left because, well, why not? Is and there, there is a reason, no reason not way. to choose the right? There's, there's no because to if I just stand, stand here, no reason not because there is also the logic of, if I stand here indecisive about both, I will die from starvation. Because I won't eat either one, because I won't be able to make the decision of left or right. So you know what? We're humans. We'll just say, Yeah, here's, both here's that. that, I'm, that I'm going to left or right, because this, we can.
0: This actually comes from uh, a problem called uh, the ass of something or other.
1: <laughs> ass of something or other. Yeah, that's um, real. So, are you going to kiss the left cheek to the right cheek? Uh, yeah. don't, you don't want to go right <laughs> this down the middle. Is, this <laughs> is talking about the donkey ass, not the the, uh,
2: the one from yeah. the Bible, though. Burrow, right?
0: Bit me once. <laughs> Actually, I'm not kidding. Wow,
1: that's <laughs> Were you burrow? the guy
2: on that America's Funniest Home Video that was like running in the field with his pants down and the donkey's chasing him?
1: No Most <laughs> definitely, <good>. definitely no <laughs> But it comes we were from at a, I didn't allow video cameras.: It
0: comes from a problem with, with the exact same thing. Donkey you know going along the road, two piles of hay, and he sits there, which one does he choose? Hmm. And as the explanation: obviously knows, the one on the other side of the fence. and I, I, I believe it ends this way, he dies of starvation because the donkey, in his limited intellectual capacity, has, has no left or right hand for one thing although I don't know if donkeys are right or left pod. They probably do. From what I hear, yeah. animals, right or left,
1: from what I understand, animals usually do lead with one foot all the time. They do. Well,
0: kind of like how we
1: always reach to the, for doorknobs and stuff with our dominant hand.
0: That pretty much, the as it goes, it would theorize that the donkey would sit there and decide if it died of starvation. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it would I'm not, right. it would rather do that than pick one over the other, because as mm-hmm. it looks at one, it sees the other, well, the other one's just as good, but the other one is just as good, but the other one is just as good, and, you
1: know, died. It's a continuous statement. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it, gets, it gets stuck in a loop. It gets yeah. stuck in it's a loop. It's kind of like basic programming. It gets stuck in a loop until your computer crashes. And this happens with
0: computer programs sometimes. A, a computer program has no ability to differentiate between one choice and another when they are exactly the same. And all of the parameters that tell it how to
1: choose between two things tell it that both things are equally viable. While we have a high enough thought that we can say to ourselves, it doesn't matter which one I choose because they are both the same. So then we so yeah, still I don't know which one to go for then. So at that point, you just say, heck, I'll choose one because it doesn't but matter. You, but you still, but you still need a reason one. for why. Yeah. No, you don't. Know there's one. nothing no, to you make don't. you go See, for one. See, that is one. the essence of our sentient intelligence <laughs> is that we don't need reasons. Why do people smoke? it's everything about it is bad for him. we know this I know why I was talking to a smoker once and why, did, why <laughs> does he tell you that he smokes why does he tell you that he smokes because it makes him feel better He's because t- he
2: can get the girls no <laughs> he said one smoking is expensive he does not like smoking because it's expensive two it's, he said it makes everything smell bad he said he doesn't like it that his clothes smell bad three um, he said that uh, he can't let some people find out if he smokes because they wouldn't view him as in the same way anymore um, with those three things in mind I asked him, so why do you smoke? And he said, well, I quit for a while. It's not because I can't quit. And I was like, okay. Now I'm really confused. And he goes on and say, I got bored one day. What else was I supposed to do?
1: So. Exercise. Read a book. I don't yeah, know. I was I mean, going to say anything. And therein lies the innate stupidity that is happening to society is that people would rather spend the money, not improve themselves, worsen themselves, pay to worsen themselves, than to try and do something constructive. Mm. Like, read a book. Like, read a book. Go get on a bicycle. Go throw a frisbee. Go play football, you know? Go do something. Go get a job. Whoa! (laughs) You earn money? He's he's at school, so... I'm I'm at at work right now, technically. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: you're recording yeah. on the
0: job <laughs>
1: yes. yeah we're not going to mention right. that but yeah.
0: no. anyway mm-hmm. but so, so we basically my, my conclusion in the article was that yes intelligence is theoretically possible but there are all these problems with it and yes. that we still we, artificial intelligence engineers will have to resolve these major philosophical implications and, and problems with, um, with intelligence alongside the tremendous technological difficulties as well. We'll have to create a computer that mimics the brain first, because that's the only intelligence that we know, that we of. know of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the only mind system that we're aware of at the time. And, I, you know, it could be that we someday build a brain that identically mimics something else, and it still doesn't work for some reason. Now, granted, to... Physically identical things should perform exactly the same because they're physically identical in every way. Um, this is kind of the problem with, with anti-reductive versus reductive is the anti-reductive would say that
1: in that but situation in that, in that case, why do brains die? If they're the same physically as mine that's sitting in my head right now. Well they're not the same why physically because why wouldn't they be? Power, you know, power to the brain. Hey, even if you powered all that and everything, would the take a dead brain and plug it back in? but Would it has certainly because work? it physically changes the Did brain the brain physically changes the cells die the the cells If you read. kept the cells alive without those little elect- without all the electrons firing the neurons firing even if they're alive but just not firing isn't necessarily alive well that's the question of people in a coma and there
0: there have been some pretty landmark cases where people declared brain dead that had absolutely no brain activity were kept on life support which kept the brain essentially in the same physical state, you know. Mm-hmm. Kept oxygen to the to the cells and everything. Kept them dividing. Although neurons, I don't believe, divide very After often. A certain, it takes them a really long time. Yeah, they're very slow. Um, and then came back to life. Essentially, that that something caused the brain to reignite, to start back up again, to reboot. And it's it's
1: that. That's something. Maybe, maybe we all need to do that every now and then. We all need. We all need to. Uh, <laughs> okay. Know, every... sho- shock paddle to the head, put us into a coma, reboot the brain, come back. Like once a week, when your cell phone off, make sure to reboot. It, your it's brain, kind of like, so. it's yeah. kind of like Windows. If you let it keep running, it will
0: fail. Yeah, but if you reboot it, it can often solve a lot of problems. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe the entire field of psychology could re- be replaced with you know one simple um, rebooting device that that rebooted the brain. <laughs> <laughs> And a defragmenter. Oh yeah, we really needed. Oh. Di- well, now here—that's thing. Our, we, we because we're you thinking again, we're using the whole computer analogy for the brain, and it, it works to a point, but there really isn't fragmentation. True, we don't the brain. really have. Or there is there is a level of fragmentation in the brain that would be unacceptable in any, <laughs> in any
1: computer. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, this is what I don't get. Why do I want to defragment my computer? Does it always end up with three files that are always fragmented? It says defragmentation complete, and it shows up three files. That there, are there are certain files that uh, cannot be defragmented. Um, so then why are they allowed to become fragmented?
0: I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to ask Bill Gates. Ah, the logic thing. of Windows, or lack thereof. <laughs> uh-huh. But, so, you know, and, it, and that's exactly my point here. Is is like we have this, in our minds, that computers are like brains, and brains are like computers, and vice versa. And you know, RAM is like short-term memory. And, uh, you know, the, the central the CPU is like the, uh, neural, the neural pathways. Neural not? pathways. It, thing here's some interesting. That the you can't clear... visual cortex is like a webcam or something. <laughs> you,
2: know? you can't clear a human's RAM. Like, <laughs> no, if you take and that's that the thing is, is
0: brains do. According to the article that I've read, brains don't have RAM. Uh, everything is in RAM. Essentially, mm-hmm. the entire computer is is up for access. So here's at any the question point, the entire brain Can you ever overwrite something that you've learned? No but the way that you learn stuff is in relation by relating it to by other of
1: our experiences, we learn and things are not replaced. things are added to yeah. We, you know, essentially we, we essentially are always essentially we can have bad experiences of we learn the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. But then we have experiences that teach us the right thing to do in that situation and it doesn't delete the what we the wrong way of doing it that we learned. It just adds rearranges, addend- it. rearranges it rearranges you know as an addendum whatever that our new primary method of doing it will be the new way that's the correct way. Yeah, so okay. we will always know the wrong way to do it. But now we choose to do the correct way of doing it. Well like at the same time, like when
2: the first time I drove the Lubbock, I took a wrong turn somewhere. Mm-hmm. But and so next time I came up here, I didn't take the wrong turn because I learned but how to when get you there. But it, I don't you re- thought about no, it. No, I don't remember what wrong turn that was. But is that pulled over? I don't
1: remember exactly where I got pulled over.
2: Well yeah. But that's that's kinda of what I'm saying. So when you forget something, is it being overwritten? Is it being deleted? Is or it like is it computer? Just, or, no, or, is it, it's, or is
1: it just never initially
0: written? It's no no no. Basically it, it just from what I understand, my limited understanding is it has fewer connections to it. Or the the connections in your brain that relate to how to get to Lubbock are become farther away or become more disconnected from that uh, connection with the, the wrong turn. Or they become connected in such a way that when you do go past it, you get that visual input. Your your brain goes, "Hey, this is like yeah. that spot where that bad thing happened, and I don't want to do that." And you take the correct route. Which so is why,
2: like, you can remember something from your childhood, like when you were three, that you haven't thought about for years. Something happens, and all of a sudden, and it's and that because of, it's
0: it. because of connections. You know, the um, experiences are related to memories. Uh, in, a, in a very intimate way, sights, smells, smells um, can be
1: some of the most powerful
0: touches. From yeah, what they say. And because very few things are associated with smells. We have a lot of things associated with
1: visual. What with is it? Seventy percent of our of our um, input is from vision.
0: Yes, and we have a lot of stuff associated with with auditory input, but very little associated with smell. So there are very few connections to those uh, specific
1: memories and then you know there of course we if smell something, You could say you could say that our memories will of that specific experience we will see so many other things that the vision connections to them the yes. vision sensory connections might be more distant because we have seen so many more things we have learned so much more visually but the smell from that specific instance when we do come back to it that's the only connection that is still solid and it, it's it's kind of like
0: a shortcut to all the other exactly. memories. Exactly. It would take a, a lot of visual stimuli or very specific visual stimuli to bring up that specific memory, but all it takes is one smell because it's it, it's sort of like searching through your folders, you know. Or, well, here's here's a great analogy: searching on a computer is a very linear process. You have to comp- you have to look at everything basically mm-hmm. in order to get to what you want. Now you can. You can use tags and other kinds of, you know, meta searching in order to categorize data, but very rarely can you use the same file structure, call it that, that the brain has. I, would, where you I have, would
1: venture to say you can't because you could, you could say our file structure would be closer to that of a, as you say, by a linear file structure. You could think of it as very two dimensional. Yeah. Our file structure is very three dimensional. It is almost everything interconnected with almost every single other thing. Mm-hmm. So you, while we have billions of neurons, you know your computer has to search through, you know, a hundred gigabytes of information before it finds what it's looking for. It's having to look over, hundred, you know, 100. thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of data of pieces of data before it finds what it's looking for. For us, we know exactly it. We already know where to find it. Well, there, there are certain it, it already has a direct this. connection that it only has to go through a thousand neurons instead of going through a hundred million you know, pieces of data on your computer. Mm.
2: Similar to the indexing option on Vista. That's always been in Windows.
0: Well, it, it is like the indexing, yes, but in a much more sophisticated way. The, the indexing, I think, that computers use is still relatively linear. It is. In comparison to the it brain. Is. It it's, just
1: shortens the list.
0: It shortens the list, but the brain basically has all kinds of shortcuts. And I mean, I, really, I'd love to know a lot more about neuroscience, but I, I don't know. So conclusions, do y'all find it discouraging? Maybe that it's, it's a lot harder to, uh, to do AI than a lot of people would, would think? Or
1: I don't find it discouraging as much as it's a realization of how much more we have to do before. We... And how much more our society has to develop before it will accept it. You know, how, well, many, how, many, how many grandmas out there are going to accept this, you know, heck, there's a robot walking down the street, you know, checking its own mail, walking its own dog, all this stuff. How many grandmas would accept that, and how many of them would pull out Grandpa's old shotgun and try and shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's no, a very honest s- question. I, I mean, think, think that's a it.
0: small, smaller percentage than those who would accept it. I think the movies mm-hmm. and the TV shows have true, really true. acquiesced but our actually, minds to
1: this. It yeah. has, but it's acquiesced the fantastical side of our mind. How many, how would you actually react, or we would, I'm sure, react well, pretty normally, would be impressed. How many of those grandmas would actually react if they saw one of these robots from one of their old... TV shows, in real life, actually doing those things, walking down the street—a lot less than you would think. I think a lot, a yeah, lot less I agree. Than you would
2: think. Because, because, like, even my grandma, she's seventy-eight. My grandpa is eighty-eight, and they sit every day and watch Oprah. You know, and <laughs> they're watching Oprah, and so they're seeing stuff on TV that's coming um, kind of from a possibly different perspective than what college students would see it because of the show. But at the same time, they're seeing commercials for the iPhone. I walked into the room and I was on the internet on my iPhone and they knew exactly what I was doing. Both of them were like, oh, that's that new iPhone we saw. You're on the internet. They said, that's like your computer that you're holding. They knew what it was. I don't think that the idea of what they would call only science fiction, I don't think that it's as surprising to them as we think of it as being to the old generation. And we
0: have a whole generation growing up now that's adjusted to the ideas of of artificial intelligence, of technology. Beings, beings from a different world of, of interstellar travel uh, to the point where we kind of have fleshed out in science fiction those scenarios that might one day take place. And I almost think it's kind of sad. You know, we'll, we'll get to that era where somebody invents warp drive and we'll have this backlog of, of you know, centuries of, of literature and movies about what the experience will be like, so and that once it gonna, actually they're, comes out... When about,
1: they actually <laughs> flick the switch, it's going to be like, this is nothing like I should be. <laughs> yeah, this is not like it should be. I really hope the first Interstellar... What? It's still, still going to take us, like, two years to get there? Damn! Uh, this know, is nothing like the movie. <laughs> this is this, this <laughs>
2: disappointing, because we've got a long way to go. Michael Dickinson has been studying flies, and how come it's so hard to swat a fly? And apparently, a fly's brain is a lot more advanced than we think it is. So with that in mind, well, also it's their brain isn't
1: processing it. the hundred, you know the countless infinitesimal things that our brain that our brain is processing. They're yeah. processing five things. You know, well, okay. where's the food in front of but, me? No, I'm searching no. For the it's, food. It's, and, it's more complex. And also, than that. with the eyes looking yeah, around, is there anything that's about to hit me? Because as soon as they, you know, they've only got two things, you know, as soon as that, as, as soon as something comes in that's about to hit me, I'm flying. Yeah, we've you know, got way more on our minds. We've got so way speak, more on our minds, so, so to
2: speak. Well, this, this article from com says that, uh, uh, long before the flight leaps, its tiny brain calculates the location of the impending threat, comes up with an escape plan, and places its legs in an optimal position to hop out of the way in the opposite direction. All this takes place when it, within about 100 milliseconds after the fly first spots this water. There's a lot going on there. More than uh, there's a hamburger there that I smell. I'm going to go get it. And um,
1: that sounds like how we think when we see something. Except, well, you could say what we're it's taking. It's connected in. to so many more things. Yeah, we're, we're, we're taking in. You know, as soon as you know, it's just because doing then simple, we, it's doing we, we simple see the hamburger,
0: or you know, we see the hamburger and we think, wow, that's that's a really great hamburger. But then, wow, well, I got to watch wait, my weight. this.
1: Yeah. but but wait. It, it's 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 cooked too raw for me. Yeah, it's a McDonald's one. I, I can't. Oh god! I can't do oh, that. No. get that away yeah. from me. Um, oh, Yuck! McDonald's. I right. hate
0: it. Or, or like, oh man, uh, my my girlfriend. She's she's a vegetarian. She'll hate me for this or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we, so just, many, <laughs> we have way, way more. Yes, we are a logic processor. We just have so
1: many more inputs.
0: I think that that's an excellent article, and that it, it shows that. Yeah, one thing I say in the article. That's yes, meeting, article. meeting my excellent <laughs> article um, that. The brain may, may only need to be uncomplicated in the correct way, because the the fly, and as flies, sheep, and Paris Hilton
1: are in education. <laughs> oh, so, dude, I hadn't, didn't <laughs> even realize. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I was just thinking. One thing you have to take into account is we are slower at making decisions. Yes, you could say, but only certain decisions. If we are like, you never want to walk up to a marine just come back from Afghanistan and tap him on the back. It's just something you don't do because he's liable to turn around and punch you in the face because that's what he's been trained to do for the past three years. Okay, but what about the Marine? You know, sa- same, same with the fly. Every single, or every, okay, all, during the 24 hours of its life, the entire time it's being swatted at, it's going to have on its mind already that I'm going to move as soon as I see something up behind me. You know, that Marine already has it embedded in his mind. is something taps me on the back, I'm going to turn around and punch it, you know? Well, let me ask you another it's question a, It's an action-reaction thing that's already been pre-set up. An instinct, almost? Well, let's, let's put this <laughs> no. Marine in well, a combat us, situation. For us, it would be an instinct that we willingly put there, that we consciously or sub- well, consciously put into our subconscious thought.
0: Yeah.
1: So let's put this Marine in a combat situation. A grenade gets thrown in the middle
2: of the camp, and he throws himself on top of it. Did he think about throwing himself on top of it because he wants to save his friends? Did he think about throwing himself on top of it because it was nothing more than an instinct? Or did he think, oh, I'm not going to be able to live with the guilt the rest of my life if I don't save my friends? What went through his mind in that brief millisecond before he jumped on that grenade?
0: Yes, probably a little bit of both. Oh, everything, a little, little bit above. of everything.
1: Yeah, but somehow the um... because for him, there's also going to be how many other marines that didn't jump on top of it. Notice you didn't say all of the marines jumped on top of it. You only said one. So all the other margin marines pretty much decided I'm, I'm getting out of it. I'm getting guy. out of it. Well,
2: what, what if he, see he was close enough to jump before the grenade explodes? But obviously, everyone would be seriously injured or killed within the vicinity.
1: Then he. Uh, you would probably say
2: that he decided he made that decision, or is it just his conditioning during training that he didn't make? No that No matter decision the conditioning,
1: there? they can't force, it, or at least with our conditioning that we, the conditioning practices that we use, we don't make them do things that they that they wouldn't choose to do themselves.
2: Do
1: mm. you agree with that? We're not, uh... we're not, we're not, we're not growing children from the time that they can first pick up an AK forty seven and teaching them to shoot people with it. No, we're not. Where their only thought process <laughs> is how to kill better. Notice mm. as I also said only thought process. Yes. Oh, okay. Ours, well, think this, of so many other, things. and that's we're, a we're good putting, point. Yeah. We're, we're having to we're having to put our soldiers through training, even though they're over there already, to not shoot first, because they're used to a organized army that they have to fight against. That they, you know, if you see somebody shooting back at you, you need to shoot them. Well, because when be they when they're, that, when, they're so. when they're searching house to house, room to room. Look, the mom is holding a broom handle. At first glance, it looks like a shotgun, but it's not.
0: Yeah. Well, here's, here's the deal. We're almost training them to think on a simpler level. Yes. Sort of like the fly, being able to focus on one thing um, rather than having a bunch of parallel stuff to think about. We could, though, potentially create an artificial intelligence one day, artificial soldiers that only focus on that sort of thing, that didn't have to worry about their girlfriend back home or their buddies. But you're um, that wouldn't
2: be true artificial intelligence anymore. It would be something that's programmed to just follow a certain set of if-then statements and only do that That's its job.
0: In an intelligent, sentient way. I would say they'd be performing almost the same task as a very well-trained soldier who can block out all of his his girlfriend back home and his, um, you know, cares back at the base or whatever and only focus on the task at hand. But then, at the same time... But still be a sentient being.
2: But then, take World War II, the Japanese... You know, they fought a different way as a more elite soldier because of what was back home and what they had learned from their but cultural
1: side. Yeah, but that was—you could almost file that under under well, cur- under current thought, you would file that under almost brainwashing. In that they believed their emperor was a god, almost. You know, well, I don't know and if they, and they, they sacrificed it, but themselves they for their god and stuff like that. You know, that's. Bringing on a whole different level of belief system, you know, a belief system that the common world today doesn't utilize because it is brainwashing, for lack of a better term. When well, you tell least, someone, but from when you tell, culture, it's it's kind of like it, you know all these suicide bombers. If you tell them, you know, your God wants you to die for Him, it's like, well, it's all is about that, it's know? all about
0: presuppositions.
1: Though. Exactly,
0: about they were brought up in a culture that never had an exposure to the idea that that maybe they're emperor was not a god. Correct. In that situation, could they ever be expected to act in the same way as someone who did have that knowledge? No, I, I, I heartily disagree. I think they were acting perfectly rationally within the system they've been brought up in. Which and I think we all believe that we're acting perfectly rationally in this, this system that we've brought up in, but maybe a hundred years from now somebody will go and look and, and kind of scoff but at also, us for believing so that, true, that goes back exactly, to but us but that also, But not, also,
1: we live in a society that tries to gain as much insight and information as possible. We try not to limit ourselves to one style of thought. We try and keep our minds open as much as possible. I agree with you. We do have limitations. I'm sure we do. Mm. We may not even realize what those limitations are,
2: but we try. But what you said goes back to show that instead of us basing everything we do off our instincts, it's based off our cultural setting
0: off of our ability to look at ourselves from a different perspective. Exactly. You know, like the thing I just did just now. A you know, hundred years from now, someone else might look at us and see things a different way. But how
1: much will they have learned in a hundred years? Oh,
0: we hope <laughs> a, 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 quite a lot. <laughs> we also hope that in a hundred years we do have robots because personally I think there are a lot of things that could be better done by robots in today's society and freeing up some people to, to do better things. But for the moment we, uh, we only have our Humanoid people to do things in our, our relatively simple, very, very, very simple computers. Well, let's go get to, to work to on do other things. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's what maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah, right, you should do it, Matt. You're the computer scientist. You, you go and invent an AI. Give me some hardware. <laughs> <laughs> let's give me one that works out of so, I've got to have some fingers that so actually work like fingers. We're down to money again. You need money to buy money all again. this stuff. But that, uh, that's a subject for a different episode. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up on this uh, episode of Bad Philosophy. I am the baddest of the bad philosophers, and you can always argue with me on that. I'm open to it. Matt? Thanks for having me, Stephen. Hopefully we'll have him back very soon and often in the future. And David, thank you for... Uh, no problem. So always you, always glad to throw in the random comment. Yeah, even when it is during a, a movie that you're technically supposed to be working yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, we'll see everyone soon. Do this again as soon as possible. Thank you for listening to Bad Philosophy. For more information, including show notes and other tasty tidbits, please visit badphilosophy.com. Posting for this episode provided by Globat Communications, to whom we are all eternally grateful. We also featured the track Pick Up by Bonobo, now available in the iTunes Music Store. Do your ears a favor download it today.